Do you need rest? Do you need to find peace in a situation? Have you grown weary with the things around you? The Bible says we can come to Jesus and find rest and restoration and that there's a burden that is his that is light, that we can become yoked with him. But what does that mean? What do these words mean? And what does it actually do in your life? Let's talk about that today on the THP Online Community Podcast. Hello and welcome to the THP Online Community Podcast. I'm Dallas, your media pastor here at The Healing Place, and I am so thankful to be invited to wherever you're at today. Thank you so much for hitting the play button on this podcast, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. We're just glad to have the opportunity to encourage you, to challenge you, and to help you take your next step with your walk with God. I opened up the podcast by talking about rest and the need to find it. And like I said, there's a verse in the scriptures, which is by the way this week's promise here at The Healing Place, about how we can come to Jesus and find rest. But what does that actually mean? I think some people, when they hear that, that it just, uh, it's a, it's, there's like a switch that goes off and all of a sudden you're just relaxed and there's no more stress, but there's much, much, much more to it. There's action that takes place. There's a change that will happen in your life when you truly do this. So how do we come to Jesus? What happens in our life? Today, our lead pastor, Scott Etheridge, is going to talk about this, kind of break it down, and walk us through this important aspect of the Christian walk. All right, guys, it's time for another promise. We're going to dig right in. Hey, let's go to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11 in the beginning of what we know is the Gospels, okay? The Gospel accounts. Matthew chapter number 11, we're going to be in verse 28, 29, and 30, okay? So Matthew chapter 11, write that down, pull it up, uh, open your Bibles, get there, and we're going to dig right in. The first thing I want to do, instead of just reading the promise today, one thing I want to do is we want to take care of the context because the context in this is super important because it totally has to do with even today, 2021. So here's what's going on within the context of this situation. Jesus is, is giving instructions to his disciples. Um, he's telling them about what is to come. He's telling them about what's going to begin to happen. He's preparing them for when he goes. They don't even know that, but he's preparing them for when he goes. He's preparing them for when he would go to the cross, and they don't even get that, but he's giving them instructions. And then we know that Jesus tells them at some point in time, hey, there's another one coming, the Holy Spirit, and he's going to remind you of everything I taught you. So even if they weren't catching it right here in real time, the Holy Spirit was going to be given to them to remind them of what Jesus was teaching them right here. And so Jesus begins to tell them, listen, persecutions are coming. And Jesus tells them in the context of this Matthew chapter 11, he tells them that not only are persecutions coming from outside, but even from within, that when you fully give your life to me, uh, there are going to be people that are going to be divided. There's going to be some division. And he begins to talk about the current culture that they were in, that people were eating and drinking and having fun, and they were marrying one another. And they weren't thinking about eternity. They weren't thinking about the things of God. They weren't, uh, their eyes weren't focused on God. And he says one of the most incredible statements. He says, 
um, he, he's talking to them about John the Baptist, and he's talking to them about how John the Baptist is preparing the way for him, and he's talking about how how John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah and fulfilled a prophecy and to prepare the way for him. And here's what he says. He says uh, in, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 17, and this isn't our, our specific promise, but this is the context around it. And he says, um, we, here's what the people are saying. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We mourned to you and you did not lament. So he's saying, listen, we, we did this and then you didn't respond to that. And we did this, and you didn't respond to that. You said you wanted us to, to, uh, to dance, so we played for you, and you didn't dance. You, then you said you wanted us to mourn, and, and we mourned. But then you didn't mourn. And he says this, For John came neither eating nor drinking. This is a response to what he's saying. You're eating, you're drinking, you're doing all these things. He said, So John came neither eating nor drinking. So those of you who said, Hey, we don't need to be doing all that, and they say he has a demon. So that's not working out. And then he says, the son of man, I came eating and drinking. And they say, look, a glutton and a wine bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. So Jesus is saying, listen, we came the way that you wanted us to come and you didn't receive us. Like I was, I was dancing and you didn't dance. I was mourning. You said you wanted me to mourn. I didn't. You said you wanted me to eat and drink. I did. And then you said, look, a glutton and a wine bibber. Uh, you said you didn't want uh, anybody to focus on eating and drinking, and John came that way, and yet you said he had a demon. So basically, Jesus is saying, you are, you are the world. You're double-minded. You're unstable. Your eyes are focused on the wrong things. And when I come and I actually bring you what you desired, you do not receive it. And it is comparable to what's going on in our current culture. And you can even see it in church culture where people may be like, hey, I want a great kids ministry or I want a great student ministry or, hey, man, I really love it when the lights are lower or I like it when the music is this or I like it when the message is more inspirational and motivational or I like it when the message is like an hour long and somebody screams at me or I like it when like we go through all these things and the focus is on all these things or if we're in the world the focus is on like I need to spend all my time just having fun or uh, you know I, I I need to be on vacation every single weekend or I need to do this or I need to do this or there's so much to do and our focus becomes everything else except Jesus. And Jesus is saying, listen, when you focus on me, persecutions are coming. I'm going to bring division, like all these things. And here's what happened when John the Baptist came. He was a forerunner. He was a voice crying in the midst of the wilderness uh, before Jesus came the first time. Well, now those of us that are believers, we're forerunners for the second coming of Jesus. We are voices crying in the midst of the wilderness. Jesus begins to to, to point things out and to speak things, and that brings us to our promise. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come to me. Now, he says, in the midst of all this stuff going on, in the midst of all this political unrest and this religious unrest and, and all the things you want to do and all the desires and all the temptations and all the things that, that are around you, he's speaking to the Jews even saying, hey, all these laws that you're trying to live up to, all this works-based stuff is overloading you and it's suffocating you and all the things you're trying to do in life, they're suffocating you. So here's his promise. Come to me, all 
all. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So come to me, everyone who is just like overburdened. You come to me, and I will give you rest. Not to the, to the rabbis or the Pharisees or the Sadducees, not to the political leaders of the day, not to your, to, your, to your boss, not even to your wife or your husband or your mom or your dad or your brother, your sister. Come to me, and I will give you rest. And then he says this, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest, here's a key, for your souls. Man, that's such a key depth right there. Verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So Jesus says, listen, come to me. Because we know there are so many in turmoil and anxiety and, and fear and worry and stress. There are so many stressors out there. And the crazy thing is there are so many stressors out there that are really not even worth stress, if that makes sense. We get stressed out about stuff that's not even real. Like we can just see something. It's, it's, it's pretty funny how we have like uh, entire quote-unquote newspapers now that aren't even real. Like, they're just fake. They're, they're comedy, right? It's for fun, right? And people will read it, think it's real, and stress out over it, and it's not even real. How many times has that happened to us in our daily life? Someone will say something. We formulate something in our brain. We've already formulated a situation. We stress out about it, and then we find out that the situation wasn't even real. We just spend all this time stressing out over something that wasn't even real. There are so many stressors. There's so much busyness in our culture. There are people who are overwhelmed, unable to stop their mind just from going. So many, so many images, so many thoughts, so many posts, so many comments, so many memes, so many, like all of these things, and really most of it doesn't even matter. No peace. There's no peace. And peace and rest is a gift that comes by faith. Trusting God, trusting in his word, and rest is not just a gift that comes by faith, but rest is fruit that comes from the Holy Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5 and, and verse 22, very familiar passage of Scripture uh, in Galatians. And in Galatians 5.22, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit right? So here's what comes from the Spirit of God. When you come to Jesus, right? You come to Jesus, he fills you with his Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that, that raised Christ from the dead now is in you. So what's the fruit of having the Spirit of God? Love, joy, peace, rest, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Like this is the fruit of the Spirit. Rest is fruit that comes from the Holy Spirit. Exodus 33, 14 says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. If my presence goes with you, Moses, guess what? I am promising you, if my presence goes with you, you're gonna get rest. Well, what is the presence of God now? The presence of God now isn't just his presence around somewhere or in a building or around us, but his presence is his spirit in us. See, the children of Israel, they were distinguished from all other people groups in the world by the presence of God. 
Let that sink in for a second. They were distinguished from everyone else in the world, every other religion, every other thought process, every other higher way of thinking, every other people group in the world the children of Israel were distinguished by the presence of God. What does that mean for us as believers in Jesus? The Holy Spirit in us should distinguish us from every other person on the planet. Those who do not believe in Jesus Christ as Lord, who haven't received him and accepted him, the Holy Spirit in us distinguishes us or should from everybody else in the world. So the question we're left with is, am I distinguished from somebody who doesn't know Jesus, or do people look at me and go, oh, they're just like them? Because if that is said about us, there's something wrong. Because the Holy Spirit is supposed to distinguish us from everyone else. Because now his presence isn't just with us, but now offered to live in us, the Holy Spirit. And here's the invitation and promise from Jesus. Come to me. What an amazing invitation. Like, here's this invitation. Come to me. Now, this is a personal decision. He's saying, I'm not forcing you to come to me, but I'm offering that you could come to me. And if you do, right, I'm going to give you rest. Come to me. And then he even says, here's the outcome of coming to me, peace and rest. And you're coming to a person. Peace and rest is in the person of Jesus. It is a gift from him. And if it is a gift, then it is not a work. Man, I've got to work harder to get peace and rest. No, 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 no. Guess what? Working harder to get peace and rest is going to take you further from peace and rest. Because your peace and your rest is not in doing a thing. It is in a person. He says, come to me, not to a work or doing more, but come to me. It doesn't mean that when we come to him and we are in Christ and we are filled with his Holy Spirit, now we don't do anything. It normally means that we do more for the kingdom, but yet we do it from a place of rest and not a place of emptiness. Because focusing on Jesus, not anything or anyone else. Peter walked on water. He maintained focus on Jesus, and when he maintained focus on Jesus, guess what? He walked on water. When he didn't focus on Jesus, he didn't walk on water. It's pretty simple. Here's the invitation. Come to me. Well, who? All who labor and are heavy laden. Again, he's speaking to Jews. Laws have, have just overburdened them. Not just laws, religious laws, but even the politi political, uh, religious um, kind of uh, atmosphere that they were in, that politics and religion were combined, and now all of a sudden it was, it was laws and it was political power, and now you have this power struggle that's going on, religious leaders and political leaders and all this stuff. We see that today in our time where religious leaders all of a sudden get so much politics and now it's all about power. It's not about Jesus anymore. It's about power. It's about my voice being heard. It's about what I think should happen. It's about injustice. It's about this. It's about this. And it's not about Jesus. Now it's all of a sudden being about man-made construct. And now man is trying to create the world in his own image, what he wants rather than God working everything together for our good. God working everything together for our good doesn't mean that all laws that are enacted we're going to agree with. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden America is going to become this melting pot of Holy Spirit activity in politics. That's not the word of God. 
The Word of God is no matter what's going on around us, no matter what's happening politically, no matter what's happening in our city, no matter what violence is happening, no matter what laws are being enacted, that we are voices crying in the midst of the wilderness. We are focused on Jesus. We are filled with the Holy Spirit, and the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love and joy and peace and long-suffering and kindness and gentleness and all those things, no matter what's going on. We have been spoiled, rotten brats in America because we are in comfortable, air-conditioned, padded seats, lights down, everything done for us. And the moment somebody puts on blast on Facebook that your post is no longer available or you're in Facebook jail, oh, I'm being persecuted. We're not being, your post not being allowed on Facebook, that's not persecution, folks. Persecution is when you're a voice crying in the midst of the wilderness, prepare you the way of the Lord. And they say, you will not speak in Jesus' name anymore. And you still speak in Jesus' name. And you're thrown in prison. And in prison, you're not complaining about being thrown in prison. But at midnight, you start praising and worshiping God. And all of a sudden, the doors open up in the prison. And the prisoners are set free, not physically, but spiritually. And the jailer looks at you and says, whoa, God is doing something. What must I do to be saved? And then his whole family gets saved and gets baptized. That's persecution, and that's the result. The fruit of enduring that for the gospel is salvation. Persecution is not you inviting somebody to church and they say no. (laughs) There's no cost in that. Come on, guys. Come on. Somebody put come on in the chat right now. All caps. Come on, guys. We can do better. We can do better. What are we going to do when real persecution comes? We're going to melt. Because we've been so pampered. We've been so spoiled. Man, Scott, this is a hard word. No, it's not. This is an encouraging word because it's wrapped up in this. Jesus says, come to me. Persecutions are happening. Serving me has divided even your own family. Like, like John the Baptist came and you didn't want that and I came and you didn't want that. And listen, now come to me all. Who labor? That word labor means to feel fatigue, weary, troubled. Like, is that you today? To be heavy laden? You know what that literally means? It means to load up an animal and overburden the animal. You feel overburdened right now? Maybe it is those around you, but maybe it's your own doing. Maybe you've overburdened yourself. Well, listen, don't look at your schedule and look for everything you're doing for God and take that out of the schedule because you're going to be even more overburdened. How about taking some things out that have nothing to do with the kingdom and adding more kingdom things? See, the invitation is to all who are in turmoil in their souls to find rest. Turmoil of duties and have-tos and anxieties and stressors and pressures and intentions and even our own desires. Our own desires can take us into being overburdened. When we give in to our fleshly desires, that brings burden. Because now, in order to get right with God, like we have to come full circle with the truth, and then we have to repent. And then that means that, that now the lies that we've built up to protect us all come crumbling down, and that can bring a burden. And Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke. What does that mean? Become a disciple and a follower of Jesus. His lifestyle. Take on his lifestyle. And you know what that is? That's relationship. 
Jesus was surrounded by turmoil and agendas and hostility and malice, but he walked in this inner peace. How could he do that? He rested by doing only what the Father was doing. Relationship. He refused the pressures, the temptations of the world. How? Through relationship. Then he said this, learn from me. Receive instruction in the same attitude, meekness, humility as Jesus did from the Father. Lifestyle. How do we do that? The process of interaction, questions, listening. What's that called? Relationship. The process of insight and wisdom gained in personal relationship. Listen, we've been given the Holy Spirit to teach us. We've been given the Holy Spirit to be in relationship with God. And in that learning, there is a supernatural peace and rest. Listen, when you don't have the answer for what's happening in life and you are in relationship with God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he begins to teach you, and he may not give us all the answers to every single problem, but what he does is he gives us peace and rest in the midst of our decisions. See, the Holy Spirit draws us and teaches us and and guides us and, and comforts us. All those things fills us. But listen, we can grieve. Come on, put that in the chat right now. Grieve. Scott, I don't want to put that in the chat. That's not a cool, encouraging word. Put it in the chat. We're learning, okay? We can grieve and we can quench. Put that in the chat. Quench the Holy Spirit. And you know what happens when we grieve and we quench the Holy Spirit? It leads to stress. It leads to fear. It leads to anxiety, not peace and rest. It doesn't lead to peace and rest. To grieve means to distress and fill with sorrow and pain. Can you imagine that? To grieve the Holy Spirit means to distress him and to fill him with sorrow and pain. To quench literally means to extinguish a raging fire. When you quench the Holy Spirit, you are extinguishing the passion and the fire of the Holy Spirit in your life. Ephesians 5.17 says this, Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Like, understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not be unwise. And what is... What is Paul saying? Paul's saying, understand right, right, what the Holy Spirit loves and what he doesn't. You know, we have all kinds of examples of people grieving the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Judges 16, Samson, he did not even know the Lord had departed from him. Think about that. He did not even know. He had become so worldly in his thinking. Sexual sin and lust had gripped him. And he began to think things were okay just because he was strong and he was powerful and God had used him in the past. And now he thought just because God used him in the past, he could overstep his boundaries that God had put in place for him and he could do whatever he wanted to because he was Samson. And what he found out was sexual sin, lust, pride, boom. The Lord had departed and he didn't even know he was gone. How many of us have found us in a place where we have been so consumed with the world. Now, listen, when I say the world, I'm not talking about all of a sudden you start going to the bar every night and getting drunk. I'm, I'm not talking about all of a sudden you start running around on your husband or your wife. I'm just talking about you don't talk to the Lord anymore. You don't read his word anymore. You're consuming more of what the world is putting out, and you're taking on more of the mindset of the world than you are God. And all of a sudden now, we can begin to quote sitcoms 
and we can begin to quote shows and movies more than we can the Word of God because we didn't even know that the Holy Spirit lifted. We have pressed him down so much in our life that we can't even hear, not just his shout. We can't hear a whisper. We can't hear a shout. We can't even hear the Holy Spirit because we have grieved him and quenched him because we have consumed so much of the world and not enough of God. And we cannot even realize it. Has that ever happened to you? Like sometimes you're in the midst of a worship service and man, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit's moving so powerfully. And because you're focused in that moment and because you're away from all the worldly stuff and because all that stuff is gone, now all of a sudden you're feeling something you haven't felt in a really long time. Well, guess what? That's a double-edged sword because now you can begin to go, hey, I'll just go to church on Sunday or I'll just go to this special worship thing we're doing so I can feel that again, rather than nurturing that every day in our life so that when we do gather together, man, we're not, we're not getting pumped and primed to get there. We're already there and we're ready to celebrate and we're leading others to Jesus through our worship. Samson didn't even know the Lord departed. In Psalm 95, Israel grieved the Holy Spirit continually and they had lost their freedom and their inheritance. Through unbelief, complaining, ignoring God, they were bitter instead of repenting and changing. In Luke chapter 19, Israel grieved the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you did not even recognize the time of your visitation. And this is key, guys. Unbelief and tradition over transformation. Unbelief and tradition over transformation. Paul was saying in Ephesians, Find out what grieves and quenches him, and guess what? Don't do that. (laughs) Like, find out what grieves and quenches the Holy Spirit. Don't do that. Ephesians 4.30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And what follows in verse 31, that's what grieves him. So here's the deal. If you're still here, (laughs) if you're still with us, here's what grieves him. You can't leave this and go, oh, I don't know what grieves the Holy Spirit. I'm about to tell you through the word of God, bitterness grieves him. Hebrews is clear that it defiles us. When when it says in Ephesians 4.30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit, what comes after, this is what grieves the Holy Spirit, bitterness. If you have bitterness towards someone, if you have bitterness over something that happened to you, if that is a root in your life, that grieves the Holy Spirit, and that bitterness can silence the Holy Spirit in your life. Anger grieves him. The Word of God is clear that anger is a root that destroys us. It doesn't destroy the person that that we're angry with. It destroys us. And, And Ephesians puts it in a way that says, well, here's anger, wrath. What's that? That's a bad temper. That's outbursts of anger. What is the definition of anger? Smoldering resentment or reaction to people and life. Then it even says clamoring. Man, what is clamoring? I've never heard of that word. I need the message Bible to figure out what that means. No, clamor means loud, angry talk about personal grievances and injustices. How much of that do we see in wrath, anger, road rage, people getting angry just standing in line? People just almost ready to explode. You can even tell it. It's like one false word and people are just ready to blow up. What grieves the Holy Spirit? Our tongue grieves him. Power of life and death are in our tongue. Why? Because it's coming from our heart. 
And the Bible's clear that out of our tongue, corrupt communication, that's words that pollute or defile. Evil speaking, that means slander, speaking destructively against someone. Filthiness, you know what that means? That means unclean conversation, crude, demeaning undertones. Well, I'm just playing. Got to watch out for playing. Because playing can mean you're simply demeaning somebody and making them lower than yourself and elevating yourself. That's not encouraging. That's not exhorting. Yes, there is fun and all those things. But filthiness is not just cuss words or this or that. It's unclean conversation. Listen, if you're married and you're flirting with somebody, that's unclean conversation. Just putting it out there. You know, I can look back as a high schooler, and I can look, and I was, uh, I even said this to Tanya this week. I said, you know, I always felt like an outsider, but I think people thought I was an insider. <laughs> like, I, I, my perception was I was on the outside looking in, and other people's perception was I was in. Like, if you talked about jocks, well, Scott, he's in, but I felt outside, of the jocks. I w- that wasn't really me. I was talented, but I didn't have the mindset necessarily of a jock. Like I got to wear my, you know, letterman's jacket every single day and stick some kid in a locker, you know, or stick their head in a toilet or whatever for fun to make myself like big man on campus. Then I thought about back in those days, it was like, you know, we, we had all types of people, you know, we even still had hippies in the eighties, you know? So I kind of felt like I was there long hair, Ripped up jeans, concert shirts. I'm I'm there, but I still kind of felt outside that. Then that then back in those days, there were the alligator shirts, right? So you had the little you had to have the alligator. I mean, you got to wear a pair of deck shoes at some point. You got to roll up your pants at some point. You got to have stone washed. I mean, seriously, you got to have big hair if you're a guy or a girl. And so I felt outside of that. But then there were the kids that. Back in those days, we didn't have phones, computers, anything like that, but we still had geeks, what you would think was a geek. Man, people are super smart, man. They could formulate things in their brains. They could write things down, and I would be just like, what's happening here? And I felt like I was smart, but I was still kind of outside of that. And then at the same time, the jocks thought I was in, but when they would try to, when they would try to demean somebody or put them in the bath, you know, in the toilet, I was the guy standing at the door going, no, that's not happening today, and we'll just throw down right now. But yet, if you talk to people, it's like, oh, yeah, Scott was around. Even if you talk to people today, they would say, oh, yeah, I remember Scott was there. I was always there, but I wasn't there. You guys know what I'm talking about? I was always there, but I was never in. I was always outside looking at what was going on and even formulating in my mind, how can I protect or how can I do this or how can I do this or how can I make sure that this person doesn't elevate themselves and I would actually look for the people who demeaned other people and I would go demean them I would call them out which isn't right just putting that out there right now so don't go looking for that I wasn't saved okay but what I'm talking about is we look at things in the word of God and then we try to formulate how our behavior can get outside that just a little bit and be kind of legal that the word of God breaks all that down. It talks about malice. What's that? That means taking delight in inflicting injury on one another. It, it dwells on the wrongs and wants other people to suffer. Covetousness, idolatry, sexual sin, all uncleanness, 
all of it grieves him and quenches him. And so what we need to do is develop a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Come on, put that in the chat. I want to be sensitive. It's a key word, sensitive. Ephesians 5 and verse 8 says, For you were once darkness, but now you are the light in the world. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Find out what is acceptable to the Lord. Find out what the Holy Spirit loves. Well, what does he love? Relationship. Come on, put it in the chat. Relationship. Talk to him. Welcome him. Create the proper atmosphere in your heart and in your mind and in your life for him to fill you and to live fully through you. He doesn't create the atmosphere. You do. See, the Holy Spirit is already atmosphere. He is a person, and he brings atmosphere. He brings the atmosphere of heaven to you. And then you create the atmosphere to host that atmosphere. If you're not taking in the right things, guess what? You are killing the atmosphere that the Holy Spirit tries to bring to your life. Relationship. Trust. The Holy Spirit loves trust. Let go of control. Remove the yoke of bondage and take on his yoke. It's easy. What does that mean? That yoke. Imagine like uh, um, um, horses or mules or whatever it is, and they have a yoke on them, and they have to be in sync to plow, to, to work, right? But here's the great thing. When you yoke up with Jesus, he's doing all the heavy lifting. And yet there's still equity in that because you have received Christ, because you're in Christ, because you've repented, because now you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And because of that, he's done all the heavy lifting. He's done the victory. And your straight path can now be not because you're doing all the work, but because Jesus already did all the work. Don't try to fix everyone and everything. You're not the soul winner. I hate to break the theology of so many other places, but we are not soul winners. Jesus is the soul winner. We are just the witnesses that he is the soul winner. Don't put God-like status on yourself. That's a burden. You can't fix everyone. Superhero 101, get rid of the cape. It's a danger. It's going to get stuck in a door. It's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt you. When you're trying to go and grab that airplane and bring it down for safe landing, guess what? Your cape is going in the motor, you're getting sucked in, and you're dead. It's the same thing with relationships. We try to fix everybody, and we try to be the superhero, and we end up getting sucked in, and then we get destroyed. How do we avoid that? Trust the Holy Spirit. Give yourself fully to the Lord first, then go, and guess what? Don't be amazing. Then go and let God be amazing. Trust is developed as you, as you let go, attempting to control your own life and reacting to everything instead of responding to the Holy Spirit. Thanksgiving. Holy Spirit loves Thanksgiving. Why? Because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Don't take the Holy Spirit for granted. Give thanks every day that God chose to inhabit you, the temple of the Holy Spirit, because thankfulness places honor and value on the Holy Spirit and acknowledges him in his fullness. Guess what the Holy Spirit loves? Listening. Listening. Listening is an art form. It's not just hearing. Listening. The Holy Spirit speaks through the Word of God. He also speaks through dreams and visions, and He also speaks to our own spirit. He bears witness with our spirit that we know. We know what? We are children of God. To listen, you focus on the person. When I'm having a conversation with somebody, 
if my eyes are directed everywhere else, if I'm, if I grab this and I put it on the table, guess what I've immediately told you? I'm not going to be listening. I will hear you, but I'm not really paying attention to you because I'm going to keep reaching over here and I'm going to keep looking at this phone. Put it in your pocket. Put it in your purse. Why? Because now that person knows. Listening means you focus on the person. Full, undivided attention. And then the last thing. This isn't the last thing, but this is the last thing I have, right? The Holy Spirit loves responding when we respond. The way we say it at the healing place, when we do what God says, the Holy Spirit loves that. He loves it when we do what he says. When we are obedient to what he is doing and what he is saying in our lives, he loves it. So the promise was, come to me, right? Jesus says, come to me. All you who are weary and troubled and overburdened, take my yoke. What's he saying? I want relationship. I want relationship. Learn from me. What's he saying? I sent the Holy Spirit to do what? to remind you of everything I taught you. Learn from me. And what's the promise? If you do these things, I will give you peace, rest. I will give you peace and rest. Yes and amen. Come to me, weary, troubled, overburdened. Take my yoke, relationship, and learn from me. What's the first step? Listen. If you haven't responded to Jesus, like he's been calling out to you, he's been giving you all the signs, and you haven't come, come to me, he says. If that's you, come to him right now. How do I do that, Scott? Jesus, I come to you. Get on, if you're in the living room, get on the floor right now. Get on your knees. Wherever you're at, if you're on vacation, right now, sit. Get on your knees. Put yourself in a position to come to Jesus. All who are weary and troubled and overburdened. Listen, if you're weary, if you're troubled, if you're overburdened, not just with life, but even your own decisions have overburdened you, come to him right now. Take my yoke. That means he wants relationship. Well, how do I do that, Scott? Lord, forgive me. I'm just coming to you right now. I realize today I'm not a spiritual orphan. I've been acting like one, but I, I'm your child, God, and I need relationship. What's one of the first steps in relationship? Connection, meeting, talking. And then he says, learn from me. How? Holy Spirit. you got to open yourself up to the Holy Spirit. That's how you learn. And this is where we come and we're like, man, Holy Spirit, I know you're in me. All right, I'm open to all of it. The gifts, the fruit, all of it. I'm in. All of it. Flow through. So, what an amazing promise. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. Why? Because I'm gentle and I'm lowly in heart and lowly in spirit. I'm humble. And I'm going to give you rest. And I don't know about you, but I, I don't need sleep. 
I need rest in my soul with the things that are happening in the world and my own terrible decisions. And so wherever you're at today, the Lord meets us right there. And so may the Lord bless you today. May he keep you. May, may his face shine down upon you in all ways. May, may the Holy Spirit beam from your, from your face. May people know you are distinguished from the ways of the world, that you are the Lord's. And may the Holy Spirit flow through you like never, ever before. Love you guys. Appreciate you. Take this word and do something with it. Hey, thank you so much for taking time to listen to this podcast. If it's encouraged you or challenged you, do me a favor, reach out to us. We want to hear from you guys. We want to help pray with you. You can reach us at mediahub at thpshreveport.com or send us a private message on any of our social media, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Just look for THP Shreveport. I also want to invite you in this. If this has challenged you and you know somebody that maybe can use this encouragement, forward this to them. Send them this podcast. Grab the link and send them to say, hey, look, you need to hear this. You need to hear this message. Let them be challenged themselves. Let them find rest. I also want to invite you guys to do me a favor and leave a review on this podcast at Apple Podcast. Doing so helps get the word out about uh, the THP online community, about the THP podcast, and also helps extend the reach of what's happening here at The Healing Place. Again, thank you so much for being part of the THP online community. Until next time, have a great week.